recording now yeah we're recording now we're on the air everybody a little technical hitch this is iris as i was just saying that nobody heard i'm over here in the uk and i'm just about to take a quick trip over to ireland northern ireland to meet up with our resident minister hugh hiya hugh hello iris it's good to see you once again to hear your sweet voice I lost my Irish accent since my mummy died. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, I always remember saying, it's the monastery, the monastery of labour. Oh, aye. I know why. But yeah. Anyway, we have some dynamic news. Well, it's all in the good news. And I think we're going to be looking at Daniel chapter nine this morning and just revisiting that um 70 weeks period that it talks of and i'll just say hugh you just go ahead and take it away and um we'll all listen thank you <clears throat> thank you aris and we trust and pray that as usual we want to seek the lord's blessing and we want to know the truth of his word and jesus said you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free so we want to experience the freedom that god's word and god's truth brings into our hearts as we seek his face and we just greet all the listeners that's listening those that will hear and we pray and trust that every ear shall be opened every heart shall be opened and that God shall be glorified and his people uplifted. And thank you, Aris, for your radio station and for the opportunity of taking the word of God beyond the shores of the United Kingdom. We thank God for its, for its uh, extension to where God will take it in this world. So we just pray God will bless us now. As we return, we have covered many subjects uh, associated with the coming of the lord jesus with the beasts in revelation and uh, especially this chapter nine which we have gone through before so we're we're not going to uh, go over it again in the same sense but um, i just really believe the lord wants us to focus on the 70th week it's important more important than any other week that has ever existed on the scene of time. It's more important than the week of creation because it's a week that God has separated and determined to glorify and lift up his son, the Lord Jesus. So let's just read the scriptures to get an idea once again to freshen our minds and our thoughts we're reading from verse 24, um, but in actual fact, you know, we can carry on through until 27. Right here goes, the word of the Lord is saying this. Let me just explain that Daniel had been seeking God because he understood by the prophetic word in Jeremiah that God had determined 70 years of captivity upon Israel under and within the kingdom of Babylon, and that had been just come to fulfillment 
and Daniel was asking and seeking God for an advancement and a progress in that whole aspect. But little did Daniel know that God had determined to send him an answer as soon as he was starting to pray. And Gabriel came, but in verse 24, we take up the story and it says this. Gabriel now is telling Daniel what God is going to do. And this is something which in actual fact, though Daniel was concerned about the 70 years captivity, God had a, a bigger vision. God always has a bigger vision. And God had a bigger plan for the nation of Israel. And also a plan that I might say, a plan would affect all the nations of the earth. That's how important this is, especially the seven, the seven year period at the end of the 70 weeks. So we read here in verse 24, 70 weeks. Now mark what he says. God is speaking through Gabriel. 70 weeks are determined upon thy people. That word determined, as far as I understand in the Hebrew, means it has been set as a determination, amount of time. And God says that time is 70 weeks. So God is looking at a period of 70 weeks. Now, just to cut matters short a bit, one week is uh, equivalent to seven years. So it's going to be 70 times seven years, and that's a total 490 years. So Gabriel says, Daniel, God has determined a period of 490 years upon thy people. God has a plan which is going to encompass 490 years period upon the people of Israel. And he says, and upon thy holy city. Let's make this clear now that God has a plan. This has got nothing to do with men. God has never went and asked advice of any counsel of men, but God has decided in the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, that he would determine that period to do something miraculous and something wonderful. And as regards the nation of Israel, it looked, if you read the Old Testament scriptures, especially the prophets, Jeremiah, Isaiah and Ezekiel, the minor prophets, you'll see that God had had enough of Israel's transgression, of Israel's sin, of Israel's worshiping idols, of Israel uh, sacrificing their children to Baal. God had had enough and he sent 70 years. But now here's a bigger picture being unfolded to Daniel. 70 weeks, 490 years upon your people, upon the people of Israel and upon thy holy city. That's Jerusalem. God says, I've determined 70 years. That's the time. And it's going to affect the people of Israel. And it's going to affect the holy city. That's Jerusalem. Listen, what for? What's going to happen? What's going to happen at what are these 70 years, 490, 290 uh, years going to accomplish? What is it going to accomplish? Well, let me tell you what it's going to accomplish. 
490 years, God says, I'm going to finish the transgression. You see, Israel's sin was great in the eyes of God. Their transgression by that time would reach the very peak of maturity, like the nations that God sent them in to possess. He says the iniquity of the Amorites was not yet full, but when that time was full, God led them into the land of Israel. And he says, I want you to do away with all this idolatry and all this sin that's in this land that I've chosen to place you. But here God is now speaking about the nation of Israel. And God says, I'm going to finish the transgression. So that transgression of Israel against the holy God is going to be brought to an end. He's going to finish it and to make an end of sins. Right through the history of Israel from, from Moses and the tabernacle through to Solomon and the temple, there was always offerings made, offerings made for sin, offerings made for sin. Time and time and time, day after day, there was sacrifices for sins. And God says, I'm going to bring the end of sins. So the end of sins, how is that going to happen? That God's going to make an end of sins in his eyesight as a holy God. Well, here's the answer. It's coming now, stage by stage, and to make reconciliation for iniquity. Reconciliation for iniquity. God says, I'm going to bring reconciliation between myself and the people of God for iniquity is going to be dealt with and to bring in everlasting righteousness. Now, I know as I speak, those people that read the scriptures, those people that have given their lives to Jesus and to Yeshua, same person, Jesus and Yeshua, these words are provoking your thoughts for you to realize and understand that this is the only way God can accomplish all that he's saying here and to seal up the vision, and the prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. God has a whole pot plan and package here to do away with sin, bring in reconciliation, bring everlasting righteousness, to seal up the vision, to finish this once and for all, to finish it and complete it, this prophecy, and the anointing of the most holy. Let me read on now. This is what it says. There's a starting point of the 490 years. Know therefore and understand. God wants his people to know and understand. He doesn't want us to be in the dark. And it's my job today by God's grace to try and help us understand what the second, what this is about. And especially the very last week. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem. Jerusalem had been destroyed by the Babylonians and was in ruins. But there's going to come a commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem. That came as recorded in Nehemiah by Xerxes, the, uh, the king of Medo-Persia. He was the king. He gave them, Nehemiah the permission and the decree 
and the authority to go and start building. And this is this is a, a an understandable uh, fact um, greeted and, and held by the majority of Christian men who are in service who are in service to the Lord. That's a fact. So this is not just something I'm plucking out of the air. That's a fact of history also. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto the Messiah, the Prince. Now that's important. So from the commencement of the restoration of Jerusalem, the time scale unto Messiah, the Prince, shall be seven weeks. So seven weeks multiplied by seven is 49 years. It's, it's understood and believed that that's the first section when Jerusalem was being built up within those 49 years. That's like a jubilee. The street shall be built again and the wall even in trouble in times. If you read as Nehemiah and Ezra, you'll get something of the history of that building that went on at that time. Now listen to this. And after three score on two weeks, so you have the first 49 weeks. Now you have the three score on two weeks. Shall Messiah be cut off? That three score on two weeks takes us right through on the, on the seven weeks, takes us right through to the, an amazing time when Yeshua Messiah came to John the Baptist and was baptized in the river Jordan and was anointed by God, the Messiah of Israel, the son of the living God, the greatest event that would ever happen on the face of the earth when the son of God came and he said to John, baptize me, John. And John says, no, I'm not worthy even to unloose your sandals. And he says, John, let it happen for the sake of righteousness sake. What is righteousness? It's God deciding what's right. It's God deciding what to do. And Jesus was obedient absolutely and totally 100% to his father's will. Yeshua was there to be baptized. John baptized him and the spirit of the Lord came upon him without measure, not like God's blessing upon you and upon me, where there's some portion of it given to us. It depends on the anointing. It depends what God's purpose is in our life. But God's people all, every God, one of God's people that come into Calvary, through Calvary in the blood, they get anointed by God and by the Spirit, and especially those uh, that enter in and receive uh, that mighty baptism from Messiah himself. But here, after three score and two weeks, shall Messiah be cut off. Now this takes us to the end of the 69 weeks and to the beginning of the 70th week. So what the, what the Lord is speaking about here is that keep your eye on doing away with all this reconciliation for iniquity, finishing the transgression, making an end of sins, uh, to obtain an everlasting righteousness. This is all going to start and it's all going to finish during that last week of the 70 weeks when Messiah started his ministry. You see, God had planned to send Jesus at the very end of this time 
to bear witness to Israel of the covenant and of the agreement. Those of you that have read the Gospels, you might remember that Jesus says, thing that I've come to destroy the law and the prophets, but I've come to fulfill them. That was Jesus' ministry. Jesus was fulfilling God's will to the nation of Israel. This was a terrible, a serious responsibility that was placed upon this nation. Jesus spoke a proverb once about the, the, the landowner sending his, sending his servants to get the blessings, but they kept stoning them and killing them. Then eventually he said, I'll send my son. But when the son arrived, they killed him, thinking that that was the best they wanted and could do. So they did with God's only son. Jesus came and he, and he walked a walk of humility and a walk of service, servanthood. And the prophetic words were fulfilled about Jesus from the time that he started. Read the Gospels. I, I advise you to read the Gospels and to get familiar and get to know about Messiah, Yeshua. That's the most important person that has ever breathed, breathed air in this world, whose, whose feet ever stood on this earth, it's Messiah Yeshua, the Lord Jesus himself. But he says after these three score and two weeks, right up to the beginning of the seventh, the 70th week, during that week, Messiah shall be cut off. And friend, I don't have to try and convince anybody that from the time of Jesus, Messiah ministry, when he was baptized in water and when he was anointed with the Holy Spirit, that he started a ministry during that last seven weeks of, of Daniel's 70 weeks. And right in the midst of that, on that seven years that he was there, he was cut off. As God said, God gave him a week, seven years with Israel. I'll give your son seven years to convince him to repent and to turn to you and accept you as their Messiah and as their Lord. But instead of that, they worked and they connived and they tried until eventually they got him into the hands of the Gentiles and the Gentiles crucified him at Calvary. And they thought that was the end of it. No, that was just the beginning. That was the end of that old agreement. But that was just the beginning of a new agreement that God, do you remember in the Gospels, where Jesus breathed his last and he said, it's finished, that there was a great earthquake, there was darkness, and God tore the, the veil apart from the top to the bottom. That was the end of that agreement as far as God was concerned. Yes, his commandments, the Ten Commandments, are still alive and well, are still a, applicable to, to humanity. And God judges the nations according <laughs> to their aspect of the of the, of keeping his word and respecting him but the but the most important thing is the messiah the messiah the messenger of the covenant the new covenant he was cut off but it says here but thank god but not for himself i want to say today that jesus died at calvary not for himself but for you and for me our 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 sin our guilt all that all that we were before god which would keep us cut off from god was placed upon 
Messiah, Yeshua himself. He was cut off, not for himself, but it was for us. Now listen very carefully to the next part of this verse here. I want you to understand that what's happening here. And this is what's important. This is what God has impressed upon my heart that I must share with you. And it says, on the people of the prince that shall come, shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. The people of the prince that shall come, shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. Now let it be known today that in this program that God had planned for Israel for 190 years, that finished three and a half years after Jesus ascended from the grave. That's over and finished. But the people of the prince that shall come, God says, I'm going to put an end to this situation once and for all. I'm going to finish all the sin and transgression and this breaking of my authority and my agreement. And Jesus walked the 40 days with the disciples and the apostles. And the last 10 days they were told to pray and seek God. And they had a visitation of the spirit. And then there was a period of one generation, 40 years, 40 years of grace for Israel. Those that would repent, those that would turn to Jesus, there it's recorded in the Acts of the Apostles that we call the Acts of the Apostles. There we see those last 40 years being unfolded before God and before men. What happened? AD 70, the people, the soldiers of Rome came and destroyed the city, just as here, as God says in his word, they destroyed the city and the sanctuary. Now, there's some misunderstanding about this prince. And some people have taken this 70th week and they've cut it off from the 70 weeks and left 69 and they've transported centuries, centuries, two and a half thousand years to some unknown time in the future. No, that's not what God's word says. God says he was determined. He was determined to give 70 weeks upon the people and upon the holy city to finish the transgression. Who is this prince? Let me tell you the word of God gives us some clues here. I want to talk to you about princes just for a second. So is that you know. Well, first and foremostly, the most important prince of all was in verse 25. The Messiah, that's Yeshua, the son of the living God, capital M, Messiah, and capital P, Prince. He's a prince, and he is the prince of all princes. He is the king of all kings. He is the Lord of all lords. There is nobody just like Jesus. There is nobody like Yeshua. He is the Lord of all. But what about these other princes? Well, let me show you. God gives us an insight. Let's look at Daniel chapter 10 here. Let me see where I am here. 10, right. Chapter 10 and verse 13. 
Now, Gabriel says here that as he was seeking, as Daniel was seeking, in verse 12, then said he unto me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand and to chasten thyself before thy God, thy words were heard, and I am come for thy words. So Gabriel arrived to Daniel on this occasion. This was in the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia. But Daniel is then now having a conversation or listening to Gabriel. But this is what Gabriel says. Listen, verse 13, very important. If you're going to take the word of God seriously, please do so. But he says, as I came to answer you, but the prince of the kingdom of Persia. Now, Gabriel is a very high principality as an angel used by God. Gabriel came to John the Baptist's father when he was offering incense before the Lord, had a conversation with him. He came to Joseph and he told Joseph that Mary was going to have a baby uh, conceived by the Holy Spirit. But here it says, but the prince. And Paul says in his writings, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers. Now, this is a prince of the kingdom of Persia. So this prince obviously is a spiritual prince of the kingdom of Persia. And he withstood me one and 20 days. So Daniel, as you started to pray, this prince was withstanding me. He was trying to stop Gabriel from getting through to Daniel. He didn't want Daniel to have this revelation or you and I would not have it today. Three days, one and 20 days, three weeks. But lo, Michael, one of the chief princes. Now, Michael has been called an archangel in the New Testament. And Michael has specifically got an association and a relationship on this earth with the nation of Israel. But Michael, you see, Daniel was Jewish. And he was asking God for information and understanding because things were unfolding before him. He had got that prophecy, which we had gone through about the 490 days. But now here, Michael is coming. One of the chief princes came to help me. And I remained there with the kings of Persia. So Gabriel and Michael, and the kings of Persia and the prince of the kingdom of Persia were together. There's things going on, brothers and sisters. There's things going on in the spiritual realm in this world above us, which we don't even know or appreciate. There's powers at work. There's powers for us and there are powers against us. But thank God the Lord is for us. Hallelujah. Amen. That's his name. Amen. Jesus has the last word. Now these are the princes came to help me. And I remained there with the kings of Persia. 
Now, let me see. There is a mention of another prince. 20, verse 20. Let's go down to 20. We haven't time to go through every verse, but go down to 20. Then said he, knowest thou wherefore I come unto thee. And now will I return to fight with the prince of Persia. So, you know, there's this fighting going on in the heavenly realms with these princes, the princes of light, the princes of God, the princes of holiness, and the princes of the world, the prince of darkness. But now he's going to fight with the prince of Persia. You see what I'm saying about the prince, the prince, the prince, the prince of Medo-Persia, the prince of Persia. And then when I am gone forth, lo, the prince of Grecia shall come. Now let me remind, remind you of our studies before. The first kingdom was the kingdom of Babylon. And no doubt there was princes in the heavenly realms there kicking that into place. Then there was the kingdom of the Medo-Persians. And here, thirdly, the mention of the kingdom of Greece. So that's three princes we know about. Yeah. There's three princes. Princes of Babylon, the prince of Medo-Persia, the prince of Greece. Now let's go back to our prophecy here and, and chapter 9, which is what we're trying to do, where it says, and the people of the prince that shall come. Now, Daniel, at that point in time, was under the control of Medo-Persia. But now he knows that the prince of Greece is going to come. We know also that's what happened in history. But now there's another prince that comes after Greece. Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, and the other prince was the prince of Rome. The Roman Empire was the next principality and power that was coming. And this here in the scripture, I bless God for the truth of the scripture. And we have the history to verify what has been said here. And the people of the Roman prince, let me put it that way. The people, the soldiers, the people of the Roman prince that shall come. That Roman prince hadn't come yet. But he was going to come. And when he did come, and he did come. That his people, the armies of Rome, were the armies that destroyed the city of Jerusalem on the sanctuary. You see what the word of God is saying? You see what I'm saying? It's very important to understand and believe that God had set a time of 70 weeks to accomplish all this. And now he's saying that that people, that Roman prince, his, when he comes, his people are the ones and in AD 70, the Roman armies came and destroyed Jerusalem, just as God pro prophesied. And as Jesus said, as recorded in Matthew 24, Mark 13, and Luke 21, Jesus spoke about that happening. But isn't it amazing? Here we have a prophetic scripture, four or five or 600 years before Jesus, 490 years before Jesus from this time. And yet it happened. It's all been fulfilled. And the gospel 
has gone out into the world, into the four nations, four corners of the world, the Gentiles, so to speak, and the dominion which was taken away from Jerusalem. Just as a matter of interest, while they're closing, I think I've said enough to let you understand what this seventh, seven years period is. That is the, the culmination, the finishing of the 70 weeks. And Jesus himself was the fulfillment of all that God promised and all that God prophesied. And then the judgment of God fell upon Israel. This was God telling Daniel, Daniel, the 70 years wasn't the be all and end all of everything with myself and Israel. No, I have determined. And God says it's a determination. Now we go back from that point of view about the Roman about the Roman prince coming in with a flood on the end of under the end of the war, desolations are determined. And I want to say that desolations were determined upon Israel through the through the centuries, up until 1948, after the two world wars and especially the Holocaust. But in verse 27, we read there, this comes back to Jesus. He shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. You see, Jesus knew. He kept saying to his disciples, it's recorded in the gospel, my hour has not yet come. He knew exactly what was going to happen. He knew exactly he was in that seventh week. He knew exactly he would be cut off halfway through. On that cross, he cried, Father, it is finished. He knew exactly that. And he confirmed the covenant. What did Jesus do during his ministry? He didn't go to the Gentiles, no. It says that he, he spent his time speaking to the Jews. He was confirming the covenant, the agreement that God had made with the Jewish nation. With many for one week. And he would have kept that going till the end of seven years. But they cut him off in three and a half years, as we know. And then he says, he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. Who did that? I'll tell you who did that. Jesus did that because he gave his life. And God says, that's it. My sacrifice now is enough. One sacrifice forever. That's the message, the glorious message. And I'm getting blessed as I say this. That's a wonderful message. God's son paid the price for us. One sacrifice for sins and forever. God is not interested, if I can just say this with the greatest of respect, to anybody who thinks about the Old Testament sacrifices and all that they were, but they failed to bring the children of Israel into a place of mercy and forgiveness. It was, says the writer to the Hebrews, the sacrifices were a remembrance of their sins every time, a remembrance of their sins. But this sacrifice of God's son was the eternal great sacrifice once and for all. Jesus has extended eternal life to those that believe. He's not going to be sacrificed time and time again, no, once and for all. 
That's a great study in the book of Hebrews, the sacrifice on the oblation to cease. That's the gifts and the offerings to cease. And for the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate even until the consummation. And unfortunately, that's exactly what happened. There was a desolation. It was an abomination. It was a desolation. All that God had put into the Jewish nation, all the years and all the centuries that he had built up, gave him his word, sent him the prophets, and now his son had to pay the ultimate price. But thank God that price has opened God's door for you and for me. Amen. Amen. And, the, and uh, even until the consummation. You see, the consummation is coming. The consummation is coming. And for our next subject, we will not be today now because time is gone. But the consummation is coming. And that's the second chapter, the first and the second chapter of Second Thessalonians, where we're, we're told about the coming of the Lord Jesus. But before he comes, before he comes, the man of sin, with all the miraculous powers and signs and wonders, will show himself up and bring deception and deceit to the mass of humanity. It just sort of doesn't seem possible right now. But I just want to share with you, in my reading this morning, I reached again. I read it quite a number of times, but I reached it again. In Isaiah uh, 14, I think it was. And it says about the worth having a period of rest. And that's the words that that is spoken about the time when the man of sin, when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction from the presence of the Lord. There will be poured out upon the wicked great, great anger and wrath. So even until the consummation and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. You see, God uses people God uses nations to accomplish his will, even in the aspect of judgment and punishment and discipline. And he has done that to the nation of Israel to the point that they were almost eradicated. But yet God has showed mercy. And it says in God has extended mercy and kept them alive and brought them back and planted them again in the land of Israel. That's another great a great subject, the restoration of the nation of Israel and the preparation for the coming of Messiah. But I think, I hope I've done justice to this last week of Daniel chapter nine, the 70 weeks and the last week that was focused on the Lord Jesus and the Roman prince that was to come. He hadn't come yet, but he would come. And when he did come, his people, would destroy the city and make a desolation of the temple. And that's exactly what happened. So we're sitting now looking at something that has been completed. But next time, if God willing, we should meet together. If Aristotle says we meet together, we can look at what's coming in front of us. What's the next big thing going to happen? It's not man's plans, it's God's plans. So that's it. And I praise God and thank him for his help. Ophelia's help me and God, God's grace. Amen. 
Wow. That was an amazing study, wasn't it? It really opened that up because most people look at that as a vision of yet to come, don't they, Hugh? Yes, they do. And they make a mistake identifying that prince, uh, that prince there as some prince in the future. It's not going to happen. And they're not prepared. The Church of Jesus mm. is not prepared today because they're not believing the truth and they're not prepared by heeding the truth of Thessalonians and other scriptures, obviously, but there it's very clear that, the, that Jesus' coming will be sudden and unexpected, but the, but the tribulation, so to speak, the judgment, the wrath of God is going to be poured out on the enemies of the Lord at the coming of our Lord Jesus. But this prophecy, this prince, that's past. And the Roman prince, uh, the Roman prince continued, I think, for a thousand years nearly from before Jesus arrived until after Jesus had gone right up until the 600 or 700 AD, whenever the Roman Empire ended, that prince. And then arose that, that uh, religious order where they had lost their vision of Yeshua as being the man, the God-man, and placed the vision onto an earthly man. That's why the second beast is the system spoken of. I'm following the first political beast of Rome the second beast was the system that exalted and focused in on men and their ministry yeah. and the man as being the most important thing. And unfortunately, I can say, Eris, that has conditioned and set the stage mm -hmm. in the world mm -hmm. for the man of sin to rise up and That's to be good. accepted. Yeah, you can see that, can't you? You can see it. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's where we have to leave it for this week. But that's that's really, you know, I can see where this is going. And um, even I'm learning some stuff here, which is so good. And it's fresh, fresh manner. <laughs> and I hope that you people out there are, who are listening in, are also getting fed by this and uh, keeping our eyes on the future as well. So we say bye-bye to you for now. But as always, God willing, we will be back. Bye-bye. Have a wonderful week ahead. Bye, Iris. Bye. Bye.